says if more information was the answer, then we'd all be billionaires with perfect abs, which is from Derek Sivers. And that's true because right now there is such a flood of information. The thing is what you do with that information is how can you distill it down to what's actionable to you? What matters to you? That's the key. It's not more information. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the veterinary marketing podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Isaiah Douglas. Welcome, man. I was going to say where you're from, but you do like five things. And I was like, do I talk about his company? Do I talk about his podcast? So can you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yeah, for sure. Adam, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Uh, Isaiah Douglas, I'm a partner at Vincere Wealth Management. I'm also the host of the Veterinary Success Podcast. And yeah, I live in beautiful Indiana and I live in a suburb of Indianapolis. And um, for those that have not visited Indianapolis, it's a great place to live and there's a lot of good things about it. But I'm also glad that a lot of people don't think it's a great place to live. So it keeps uh, everything more affordable for us that are here. My only experience ever in Indiana, and just so everyone knows, my both of my parents, my father, my actual father is from Chicago. My mother is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I've got those Midwest roots. But I once went to a wedding on the border of Indiana and Michigan, and it's right by Notre Dame. And I literally can't tell you the name of the city, but I stayed at a very small like residence in a hotel. And I remember waking up one morning and looking out the window, and there were like Amish people on horses and buggies. And I was like, this is totally insane. And I went and walked around the Notre Dame campus and it was beautiful. And obviously Indiana was incredibly beautiful. I mean, the trees, the scenery, it was, and it was great. And yeah, I mean, it just looks like a beautiful place to be. Not to derail this into an Amish conversation. So the county that I grew up in was adjacent to one of the largest counties with an Amish population. So yeah, definitely experienced that growing up as well. It is a little different. <laughs> okay, good to know. And yeah, let's not make this like a whole thing about the Amish, but very interesting. You're on and everyone knows I love Marvel. So you're the money guy. I'm the tech guy. I found my way to vet med. What is your veterinary origin story? You know, you're Dr. Strange. You're trying to, you're on the phone trying to figure out the next surgery you want to perform. You go off a cliff, you use use of your hands, you go find this uh, weird thing in the middle of nowhere and they give you these powers that were locked in you the whole time. And now you're the Sorcerer Supreme. How did you get to vet med? Yeah, I would say the way they got to vet med is through a personal relationship from someone that I knew in high school. So I went to a very small rural Indiana high school, graduated with 64 people. He was a year younger than me, and he actually was uh, accepted into IU Dental School. And then from there, he said, hey, you're the money guy. And at the time, I just started working in the industry at a large firm that's owned by a giant bank, which will remain unnamed since I despise it very much. But from that standpoint, he was like, hey, I want to be a practice owner. I'm going to graduate with all this student loan debt. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to do all this stuff. And he came from a very, very humble upbringing. So he was the, the first one in his immediate family that had went to college. And so he knew like from hard work, like this guy was going to outwork people, but he definitely was starting a little bit from, you know, behind the eight ball from that standpoint. So I told him, Hey, I'm going to find the people that are going to help make you successful. And there was only so much that I could do at the time 
where I was at, but it was just networking with other professionals. So whether it was someone that could help him with the legal issues, a CPA, someone from a real estate perspective that could help him, you know, understand the lease negotiation or buying the the practice building and practice consultants and, and equipment reps and all these different things. Well, a lot of those people also worked in and had clients that were veterinarians. And so the question was posed to me, hey, what would you think about working with veterinarians? And I said, I'm open for it. Like my whole thing and what I loved about the world of dentistry was you had a clinician that could also then be an owner operator. And that's a really unique area to be in. And you kind of have these life stages. You go from being new grad, associate, kind of understanding what does this professional world look like? Then you have the ability to go into to ownership, to own a business, to still practice your craft, but then also be a business owner. Then you kind of transition into that phasing out, thinking about retirement. How do I unwind and, and sell this big asset that I've created and also make sure that I can live the lifestyle that I want? And that kind of last stage is probably more where traditional financial advice comes in where someone's like, oh, you're about ready to get a big check. Let me tell you how to invest it. But the first two really were not ever getting any love or attention because typically a lot of debt, maybe a lot of questions around things that aren't necessarily all investment related. Not always. Like There are people that are extremely successful young in their careers that are owners or associates and have those needs. But for me, I saw there was a big gap. And then strictly within veterinary medicine, there was a ton of people that were just selling insurance, calling themselves financial advisors that were giving terrible advice. So I said, hey, there's an opportunity here to raise the standard of care, like do what's right. And one thing that I love about VetMed is it is a tight-knit community and word travels if you do good work. And so I've been very blessed and fortunate to to work with a number of different people and have opportunities to, to chat with more. So that's kind of the origin story. What's nice is you literally just gave me the entire roundabout way of how I'm going to structure this entire episode that we're recording right now while you were talking. And and at the end of it, I'm going to ask a single question and everyone's listening is going to go, I knew he was going to do that. Um, <laughs> so this is about five minutes in at about the 40 minute mark-ish. Be prepared for the question I'm already going to ask. So... We talk, I was on your podcast and we talked a lot about this and you just made a comment and, and I think this is really important to talk about. And this is like the perfect day to walk through this. So you said, you know, okay, he wants to start this business and he needs, you know, who's the lawyer? Who's going to help them with what? Who's going to handle their money? Who's going to help them with legal issues? Who's going to help them with HR? When I started Whisker Cloud, I made that very clear to myself. And, you know, as we've grown, it had to be expenses that were tied into everything I was doing. I'm not an HR person. I need an HR company. We have that. I'm not a lawyer. I've had a lawyer since day one. I have a CPA firm. I also have a money manager for myself. So I have, for Whisker Cloud and myself, I have an entire firm with a team of CPAs that help us. I have an HR team of like three or four. I have a money management team of two people locally. I mean, the list goes on and I have all of these things. And recently I was talking to a vet. She's amazing. And and she was asking me about kind of a weird situation. I said, well, have you talked to HR? And she was, this is a vet hospital. We don't do HR. And that made me go, wait a second. Holy shit. They probably don't do HR. And you know what? We, my support team gets 70 tickets a day that say, remove this person from that page, add this person to this page. The turnover is wild, as you know, and they don't have HR people to like help them figure all that out. So where do you come into play in this ecosystem of specialists that a veterinary hospital would need? And more importantly, 
let's say I'm a vet and I want to start a hospital right now. I mean, can you kind of tell everyone? Cause we have a lot of people who are starting new businesses. Can you tell us like what, what, I, what I need to do? I call you, what would you tell me? What do I need to set up? I'm sure a lot of people out there have no idea. Yeah, it's very true. And it's a fantastic question that does need addressed. And this is something that I actively think about on the podcast and try to, you know, bring on guests or, or have this discussion, but I think something succinct here will be perfect. So as far as what is, what is my role? What is our firm's role? What do we do? So the idea is to tie the personal and professional together. So for someone that spent so many years to get the skill set that a veterinarian has, a lot of time, effort, energy, blood, sweat, and tears went into that. So it's trying to tie, what is it that when you got the letter in the mail that you were accepted, what is it that you wanted to accomplish then? And has that changed? And how are you working towards that? And then how can you basically take the money? And unless you have that magic money tree in the back that you shake and all the money falls out, which if you do, please call me. How do you take that scarce asset, which is the amount of money that you make and align it into the things that you want to accomplish? So literally our goal and our conversations is if it has a dollar sign in your life, we need to discuss it. And we want to make sure that we're utilizing the resources that we have efficiently and working towards the key things that are there. And the advice and guidance to a person that wants to start a, a practice or a clinic is very different than someone that says, you know what, I have zero aspirations to do that. I love medicine, but I don't want to ever be an owner. That's absolutely okay. And I think sometimes for those that have listened to me, I try to make it clear that I am pro practice ownership for a lot of reasons that we can get into, but there's nothing wrong. You should never feel pressure to do something that you don't want to do. So really for us, it's just taking the things that you have understanding what is it that you really want to accomplish, laying out an action plan, laying out a roadmap of where we're going to go and how we're going to do these things. That's what we do at the, at the highest level. Now, what are the, the nuts and bolts pieces? Like, eh, we can get into those details, but from a high, high level, it's just aligning those decisions with what actually matters. And you might think, oh, well, that seems really novel. A lot of people just don't know what they are working towards or what they want to accomplish. And sometimes it's like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this. And they might be competing against each other. And it's trying to say, okay, what are the priorities here? As far as the second question with wanting to open up a clinic. So as many people know right now that if you've looked to purchase or acquire something, the prices on veterinary hospitals are really, really high depending on if they are successful. The successful ones are getting priced at astronomical markups when it comes to their earnings. And that's where kind of corporate consolidation has come in and bid up a lot of those very, very high and made it very challenging for an associate to buy. So we are going to absolutely see startups becoming a bigger and bigger thing for those that want to own. And I'm, I'm here for it. I think that's a great idea. And you can do some relief work and you can do some other things to help support yourself as that gets off the ground. You obviously need a great marketing team to get the word out. So just understand that as well. But as far as who do you need to have on the team, financial advisor that knows veterinary medicine can be invaluable just to make sure that the right people. So again, you want people that understand veterinary medicine and understand what is it that you need and then plugging those people in when, they, when you need them. But yeah, 100% you're going to need someone that, that's going to understand what's the entity structure that you need. Are you an LLC? Are you an S Corp? All that stuff. That's going to be a CPA. You need to have someone that can help draw up legal documents to hire your team to get the, the things in place, to negotiate contracts, like all those things, you're going to need a legal team to help set that stuff up. You need to build out a relationship and understand where are you going to operate out of? Are you going to lease something? It's doubtful that you're owning real estate at that point. So you're probably going to go out and get a lease at a space. So what's a fair price? 
what's that thing called tenant improvement dollars? And what it, why is that important to you? Well, TI money is how can you retrofit maybe this space that's not built for a hospital into a hospital? Because landlords love veterinarians. Why? Because you don't want to move locations and it is very economic resistant to downturns. Veterinary medicine is a great business as we've seen through past COVID pandemic, great financial crisis.com boost, like all those different times, veterinary medicine has come out looking fantastic. So you need those kind of key players and some will stay with you like a CPA, a good CPA that you're going to work with for a long time. That person should be with you from day dot all the way through the end of your career. Someone that's helping you find the real estate might be there for a phase or a season of your life. You might need a consultant or have someone to come in and help you understand like, how do I price all this stuff? How do I set up just from a from an operation standpoint, someone that's seen you know hundreds of hospitals? How do I hire? How do I go out and find people? There are certain things and each veterinarian is going to be different as far as what their skill set is. I would absolutely double down on the things that you're really good at. So if you're fantastic at finding people and you're the relationship person and you know how to get the tech and how to get the front, like that's great. Do that stuff. If you're awesome at understanding your finances and how to make those kind of strategic decisions, fantastic. Do that. But there's going to be something that maybe you aren't as good at that you need to go and say, I'm going to pay for this because your time is super valuable. That's something that you need to think about that time is the most scarce asset that we have. So how can you say, what is my time worth? And if I outsource this, is this giving me back time or is it taking away time? Is there value here or am I paying for something that maybe is not overly productive? But that's the way that I would look at it. And I mean, there's a long laundry list of things that you need to do as far as setting everything up. But I would say two key people that you would absolutely need to to get on your team and understand is a good CPA, and someone that's going to connect kind of the personal and professional together, which again, for me, call it, you know, asking a barber if you need a haircut, but a, a good financial advisor is that person that can really help align and make sure the right people get on the team because those introductions and getting people that know what the heck they're doing so you don't have to waste your time is super valuable. No amount of money ever bought a second of time. So with that being said, I'm with you on all of that. And I'm going to tell everyone listening, something major happened in my life. And, and I feel like everything happens for a reason. Years ago, I, I was a single guy. I moved from Las Vegas, Nevada to Denver, Colorado, where I eventually would go on to start Whisker Cloud. And I would eventually go on to meet my wife. And, I'll, and the thing that's interesting is like I moved out of the house in high school and I had jobs and I was always, I, th- what I, I always thought I was good with money. And then I found out pretty quickly on, I'm not, I had money in the bank. I was able to eat and put money away. I was able to pay my bills and I felt fine. And then I met my now wife and I met her parents who have just been savvy with investing and being smart in money their entire life and understanding the things you should spend money on and the things you shouldn't spend money on. And sort of taking a lot of that in, my entire view of money changed. And and I started investing hard. This was about six years ago and it completely changed my life. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd have whisker cloud because it's completely bootstrapped. We we've never taken any loans or anything. I would never, I wouldn't have whisker cloud if I wasn't smart enough to say, okay, I have all this money in savings and I'm, and I'm making good money at this job. I, I should be investing in, in, in letting my money work for me. And now I'm at the point where I have a pretty nice amount in the bank. I'm not calling myself like Richie Rich on this podcast, but I've done the smart work for the last six years. It helped us buy our house in California. It helped us you know, it helps us travel and it helps us prepare for the future. And I didn't know about this. 
And I didn't really get started till I was in my 30s. So when you're meeting new people, what percentage of them are sort of in my boat where they just they think, yeah, I have all this money and savings and it's making nothing and doing nothing for them. I assume that's even the people that feel like they're doing well. Is that where they're at? Is it 50-50? I would say, and I probably get a little bit of a different selection of people that reach out to me that maybe are already thinking this way. So there probably is that biased already. But I, on average, I think a lot of people hold more more cash and they think about savings like, hey, I'm just going to stock this away in the bank, that that is what they're going to do. So from a, from a vet med perspective, I think a lot of people aren't kind of being as proactive in investing. And I think investing really needs to be unpacked going back to what we said before, as far as like, what is the ultimate goal? Like, what are you working towards? Because if I am a long-term associate and I know that's what I want to be, which is super valuable, and there's a ton of people that are willing to pay you a very handsome salary to do that, how are you saving? It's going to be very different than, hey, I'm going to do this role for another 18 months and I'm starting my own thing. You might not be as aggressive if you are the person that's going to start your own thing because you need that cushion because you know your income is not going to be nearly as high as you ramp up. But that long-term investment into a business and a business that has really good profit margins, if it's run well, right, pays off at the end because you have that asset that they can be sold to that someone is going to be interested in acquiring. And the rules are going to be different for each person, depending on what they're looking for. But as long as you know, hey, this is what I want to accomplish and it's okay to change your mind. I know if I rewind five years ago, one of my big goals was to own my own firm in 10 years. I'm a pretty impatient guy. So I did it way sooner than what I thought. So that's fine. And there's some people that their life gets in the way. Maybe you had kids or maybe you got married and you didn't know that person, you know, five years ago. It's okay that your kind of goals and aspirations change. But I think on average, a lot of people underestimate the value of the time if they start putting money away earlier, as you talked about, Adam, what that can do to free up the optionality for them later on. Jocko Wilnick, who is a Navy SEAL, has a really good podcast. I'm not like a, a diehard Jocko fan. He's written a bunch of books, but one of the things that has stuck with me is discipline equals freedom, where if you're disciplined to put money away, you'll have the freedom later on to do a lot of other things. So I think that's super important. You just establish that discipline and put money away, but put it to where it's actually going to be doing something for you versus just sitting it there in the big bank that you you bank with that's getting you 0.00001, where maybe you're getting $20 of interest a year. You're actually losing a significant amount of purchasing power year after year. It's funny you just said that. And that's really what I've heard. It's, you know, when you start looking at, you know, your JP Morgan Chase or Wells Fargo savings accounts, like you are just losing money, even if you think you're gaining it because it's not working for you. So that's really interesting. And you said something interesting in the survey we sent before this podcast. What made you want to be in the veterinary field? And your exact words were the atrocious level of financial advice and guidance that was in the marketplace. Now, a lot of people would read that and say, wow, that's aggressive. Just so we're on the same playing field. I'm in veterinary medicine because of the insanely atrocious web design, SEO, and marketing that was being peddled to veterinarians for years at triple the rate that we charge. And I saw that and said, nope, I'm going to go do that. So now that we've both called things atrocious and we're equal, what is some of the bad advice and guidance that people were getting? And you don't have to say like, well, this company said this. What were some of the worst things you were seeing and hearing that people were just getting really wrong? 
Yeah, I don't want any nasty grams or, or tell people that they're doing a bad job. But this is what I hear time and time again from veterinarians. And I've had this conversation, I bet, at least 20 times recent, like in the past year of, hey, this person came and talked at school or they came at my first job. They were really nice. And they told me that I needed to buy this insurance that was going to protect me, but also it was going to grow. And I have this $500 a month bill but you know, in the future, it's going to be where I, I pull my money from. And so really what has happened there is they're selling cash value life insurance as a end-all be-all, which is a very niche item that is typically given. And I think it can make sense if you make over a million dollars a year. Yes, that this strategy can work because it has great tax deferral and it can help with estate planning issues and all that stuff. But they've taken something that applies to less than 1% of the population and slammed it down the throat of everyone. And it's because the incentives are all wrong at these companies. And you probably know some of the companies like one, I think sponsors the Rose Bowl a lot. So if you uh, know which company I'm talking about, absolute trash that they put out there and put in front of people and they prey on relationships that young people have and promise the moon and stars in that company if they go out and basically sell to all their friends and family. And it's not really helpful. And I don't think that they maliciously do it. The company does, but the people itself, they truly believe that this is the right thing. So I don't want to attack the people doing it because sometimes they just don't know better. It's just where are the incentives aligned? And so for me, the whole idea of insurance being this thing that I have, insurance is there to protect you. It's not an investment. And so I saw when I was at my previous job, there was a veterinarian that had nine insurance policies that were sold to him that were all there for future retirement to be tax-free. Now, the amount of money that this individual was paying as a practice owner for all these policies was insane. Now, would he have been better off with better advice and guidance to do some other things? Likely. That, that was absolutely an abuse of a product being pushed and pushed and pushed. Now, is one terrible? I want to say yes, but I'll, I'll try to be somewhat nice and say maybe not. But if I'm a young veterinarian and I'm making, hey, I'm making $115,000 a year. I have $300,000 of student loan debt. I'm just trying to get started in life. Maybe I'm married. Maybe I have a kid. I don't need a $500 a month payment for a, a policy that's going to break even at year 11. Like that's garbage. It's absolutely garbage and it happens all the time. And for me, what I see is a lot of that and certainly working to remedy that as much as possible. And one of the things that, that I've tried to do in, and I will absolutely give a shout out to Dan Routh and Ashley Foster, who joined me in creating what we call like the Veterinarian Financial Advisor Network. And the goal there is that we want to find good financial advisors that are doing the right thing in the industry and allow veterinarians to have choice of who they fit with from a personality standpoint. You might think Isaiah is the biggest jerk in the world and you don't like anything he says. And that's totally fine. But go work with someone that at least is going to do the right things by you. And not try to sell you something that is absolutely garbage because they make, you know, half or 75% of the first year's premium. And it's a sales job that they hope that they can last long enough to actually make some decent money. Wow. I love what you just said at the end there too. It's like, you might think Isaiah is this or that. I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it's funny. I Someone signed up with this yesterday and I spoke with her and she said, I listen to your podcast. I love it. And I said, do I come off as mean? She's like, you come off as honest. And But my wife listens to this and says... 
yeah, sometimes you can be a little aggressive or you can come off a little negative. I'm like, it's just not negative though. This is just honest. You know, when it comes to your marketing, there's just ways to do it. And I assume with money, there is literally just things you should do. And, you know, hearing what you said about, you know, someone having multiple insurance policies and getting caught up in that, it just, even me who isn't fully familiar with a lot of that, it doesn't seem right to me. Just challenge and try to understand and ask why this makes sense. If you don't understand it, you don't have to understand it all. And that's partially why you would hire someone, right? But just ask for clarity on why this makes the most sense and say, is this truly what is the best decision? And I have clients now that ask me that. And I love that. Like if they want to dig deeper and truly understand it, that is important. And if they don't want to answer the question squarely, then maybe you start to have some reservations on moving forward. And it's just amazing to me how many people have had these conversations and then they think, oh, well, you know, all financial advisors do that. And I'm not trying to be holier than now that we are the best. And the only thing that we do is the only way. But the idea that a financial advisor sells stuff is just not where it's at. That's not what the industry is. That's not the vast majority of the industry. The vast majority of the industry is getting paid for advice and guidance. And then you have people that specialize in certain industries that have really good knowledge. Case in point, my business partner lived out in the Bay Area for a long time. He has a lot of tech clients and is really sharp when it comes to stock options and understanding when companies go public. And if you own options in a company that hasn't gone public yet and how to think about all that, Isaiah is not an expert there. And if someone came to me with those issues, I'd say, hey, you should go talk to Josh, right? But if I meet someone that's a veterinarian, that's a practice owner, I can say, hey, this is how I can help. This is all the things that we do. These are the conversations we would have. Is that valuable? It's not, hey, you should buy this thing. I bet it would be great for you. If that's how the conversation starts with, this is what you should buy, or I have the the magic bullet, it's probably time to revisit that relationship. Yeah. And again, I mean, I, and I also really love what you said about, you know, when they say, oh yeah, you know, someone came and talked to us when we were younger, when we were in school. I mean, we get that email a lot. Hey, I live in insert city name here. And I just went to a free marketing thing from this guy. And he was saying that we should look at our websites and look at this, 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 and this. And I noticed that we don't have this. Is there a reason why? And, you know, and a lot of the times it's like, he's talking in general about websites. And in most cases, a lot of those questions have to do with e-commerce. And we kind of have to tell people, he, he wasn't specifically talking about a local veterinary hospital website. He's just talking about websites. You don't have it because we're not trying to sell those things. We're trying to get people to book appointments. But even beyond that, at some of these veterinary events and talks and things like that too, people will say, oh, well, you know, if your website isn't doing this, this, and this, or if you're not posting twice a day, every day on Facebook, it's not going to go well. And then they come to us and say, well, so-and-so said I should do this. And I would, I mean, and our support team knows this because I say the same thing. We're totally excited to have that conversation with you. Can you just show us the data backing that up? Oh, well, the person didn't give data. Okay. And I mean, it, it sort of just ends right there. And I mean, that's what we do. We say, hey, look, we manage your social media. Here's the data. We actually use a system here that tells us what day and times to post and what days and times not to post. So we, and it pulls out a ton of data for us. We say, here's the data. This is why I didn't have a post on Sunday because no one pays attention to them and we don't want to waste good content on Sunday. So I'm with you. The amount of bad information that's out there is truly unbelievable. And I think if you're looking for someone in life to be there and help you with financial planning, like you offer, you just have to build the relationship and trust that you're going to give them the best options because you'd have no reason not to. Totally. And there's a quote that I'm going to try to find, but I love what you just said about what's the data behind it. 
Because if you're going to make these decisions on stuff, isn't it better to anchor it in data, which is the exact same way that veterinary medicine is is dispensed? Like you learn, hey, this is how the process of diagnosing something happens. You don't say, well, hey, I heard this from my neighbor and that's how we're going to take care of your, that's how we're going to take care of Fluffy today, right? Like, no, no one's going to do that. That sounds ridiculous. So why would you do the same thing when it comes to either think about investing, financial planning, marketing, it's the same things. And here's the quote I was looking for. And it was from the book from Dr. Daniel Crosby. It's called behavioral. It's the behavioral investor. So it's really thinking about how the mind works, but he has a really great quote that we use a lot. It says for an investing solution, be worthwhile for the behavioral investor. It must be empirically supported, theoretically sound and behaviorally stringent. So really all that is, is saying there has to be some sort of reason, rationale, studies, understanding, and like a, almost like a scientific method to why you do things. And if you can show and back that up with research, I'm on board. And the interesting thing is when a lot of you know rules of thumb or different things are out there, there's a reason for it. But going back, I don't want to harp on insurance stuff, but it's like, there's just no research to back that. And there's a lot of misleading stuff that gets shown to people. And it's like, if you get data and you can really show it and people can see it, it helps. So I, Adam, I applaud you and your team for saying like, Hey, just show me the data. Like I'm, I'm open to learning. I don't want to be closed minded. Right. Maybe there is a better way, but show me. No. And we, and we get that. I mean, unfortunately we get that daily, you know, and, and we see the, in all the groups that people post, like, I'm so tired of Dr. Google. So are we, we don't want to see, Hey, I saw a tweet that said this. Okay. Well, you we can talk about it, but you're not that like everything has to be tailored to you. I would never, ever in my life ever. And I remember my dog Baxter got papilloma. I can't remember the full name, but it was on his face. I mean, I remember calling our vet. We went to an emergency vet that night. I mean, I really freaked out because I could not figure it out. I was texting vets and, and I'm looking online and I'm seeing pictures and I didn't know what it was. And I was texting them. I didn't say to one, Hey, this looks like a hematoma and papilloma or whatever it is. I just took him straight to the emergency vet, went to our vet the next day. And, and I wanted to get the actual information on what the hell it was. Cause it got really crazy across his face. And, you know, it's just one of those things where the Dr. Google stuff, it pisses off vets. I'm sure it pisses you off. It drives us. It drives me personally, just absolutely crazy. But I also think it's not bad to do research on your, you know, on your own. And this morning, literally this morning, I did an hour call with my financial planner, which I told him, I said, dude, this is a perfect day because I'm literally uh, interviewing <laughs> Isaiah. And like, I, but I mean, him and I had this talk and, you know, we talk through things like, yeah, this is how you should, you know, we, we just set up a new, uh, a brand new 401k for our, our employees. And you said, actually, I would change this one thing. And I said, okay, well, I would, you know, the, the company that set it up with us um, through our payroll company said, we should do this, this, and this. And he said, listen, this is exactly why I want you to do it this way. And I'm going to give you this information. I want you to call them. Because he said, like, I'm here to help you. I'm not competing against them. But this is what I think. And I sent the email. And, and our guy over there has already emailed me back and said, we can absolutely do that today. Tell him that was a good idea. And that's great. I have two people who are doing two separate things for me. Both only have my best interest at heart. And I've spoken with both about it. And they were able to collaborate, maybe not together, but through me, they were able to collaborate. And as soon as probably tomorrow, I'm signing off and we're making changes and that's how we're going to do it. And it's going to benefit me a lot. It's going to be benefit our employees a lot. And it's just a win, win, win across the board. And it's cool. Yeah. I like what you said about, you know, I don't want people to be like, oh yeah, I don't want to be curious. I don't want to research stuff. I don't want to bring things to the table. I want questions. I want better educated 
clients the same way as a veterinarian that you would want your patients and clients to come in and like understand, like have information and, and ask questions. Nothing's worse than when you're explaining something and you ask like, oh, any questions? And the people look like, I just got to get out of here because I'm so confused and have no idea what you're talking about. Like you want them to be like, oh yeah, I remember you explained this concept to me. Like I looked at it, help me understand this. Like those are fun conversations. And I know that your days are not filled with, oh, we need to have long lengthy conversations, but that goes a long way. I'll use another quote that I love and it's on our website. It says, if more information was the answer, then we'd all be billionaires with perfect abs, which is from Derek Sivers. And that's true because right now there is such a flood of information. The thing is what you do with that information is how can you distill it down to what's actionable to you? What matters to you? That's the key. It's not more information. I literally just wrote that down as you were talking about that. So let me ask you this. Let's say I'm one. Of, let's say I went to vet school because this would have been my personality. I would have gone to vet school. And I would have said, "Okay, I'm starting my own shit. Let's do this." So I talk to you. I get the money right. I build this amazingly beautiful hospital. Um, if everyone wants to hear the full length version of this, please go listen to the Veterinarian Success Podcast and my episode where we went through that entire episode a week ago. With that being said, so we do all those things. What is my end goal and what is everyone's end goal? Is the end goal really just to eventually sell it for, and and just so everyone knows, I, I just spoke with someone who is selling their hospital 15 times revenue. So, I mean, is that just the goal right now? It's like cash in while, while the money's being printed? I'm going to say no, that's not always the goal. I've had conversations with people and one thing that I love, and I really mean this, I love about working with veterinarians is that money is not the end all be all. I've had conversations where that is the case and that's totally fine. It's not for me to judge, but when you truly have conversations and unpack, like what did money mean growing up and why do they, why are they wanting those things? Why do they, what, okay. You said you want to have X amount of dollars, but like, what does that do for you? A lot of times it's about either freedom or security. Maybe they grew up with an area where it was definitely a scarcity mindset around money where there never was enough. And so they're always afraid that there's never going to be enough money. And that's why they they just burn you know the candle at both ends and they want to have as much money as possible. But if you really get back to the point where you can say, hey, you don't have to do that. You're in a great spot. You're doing all the right things. You don't have to do this unless you want to. If you want to work yourself this many hours and be on all the time, that's okay. Well, is it? Is the actual question? No, I think it's we're not. I'm telling it's you, not okay. it's not okay. I'm tired. All right, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of times it comes down to that or freedom. We talk about, the end goal for, for clients, the end goal for everyone is to get to the point where work is optional. Get to the point where you do not have to continue to show up if you don't want to, where you have the freedom to say, hey, I've had a bad week and I don't want to do this anymore. Now, if you're an owner, obviously there comes a little bit more with that. But knowing <laughs> if you're an owner and you say, I know the value of my business, I know what I need to make from it. And I know that my numbers are good. I know that there would be a buyer out there if I wanted to list it. And you can do that. We have a veterinary client that I know that he could get top dollar if he sold it to corporate medicine. And there's nothing wrong with selling to corporate. I think people like make mean faces or say things when people sell to corporate. Like that's if corporate wants to pay 15 times, I don't think anyone should have to say, nope, don't want that. I'm going to sell it to my associate for half or you know three quarters of that. No way. They busted their their hump for 20 years. They should be able to go, you know, make that that money. That's life changing. That's family changing generational money. Let them go make that. One thousand percent. I don't think anyone should ever judge how someone exits their business. It's their prerogative, their choice. 
they put in the time, they get that option. But we have a client that, you know, he wants to sell to his associate. And so knowing that, again, going back to what I talked about earlier, so like rewind again, what do you want to accomplish? So if you know that in advance and he's younger, but he wants to plan his exit strategy so that she can buy in and he can still get what he needs, but she can take over. That's awesome. I love that, right? Like I don't want to see a world where there's no private practice owners in, in vet med. I don't want that. I don't think it would be good for, for the medicine. I think it's good to have individual personalities and people trying to do things differently and being entrepreneurial and being creative. I agree. When you get such big players in the marketplace, you get stale. Same way in finance. Like if you look at big companies, like one of the companies I work for, it's stale. It's boring. They can't do anything because they have to do everything by the lowest common denominator, the, the advisor that's the knucklehead. They have to worry about him. <laughs> and they won't let the people that are trying to do the best things for, for clients really, truly shine and say, hey, this is who I am. This is how I do things. Like it all has to be whatever you want, as long as it's the black shoe size 12. Do whatever you want, as long as it's this, right? And I think it could be the same way in veterinary medicine. And I think if a veterinarian is interested at like what the future is going to hold, look at dentistry. Dentistry is probably about five years ahead of vet med where it went through that corporate consolidation mode and it's starting to come back into something different. And you will absolutely see a similar approach in vet med as all these practices are getting scooped up. And right now, if I was wanting to sell and it was a good time to sell and you were looking to get top dollar, it is absolutely a wonderful time to sell. Absolutely wonderful. If you're okay selling to corporate and as long as you're comfortable with that, also understand if you sell to corporate medicine, you're going to have to continue to work probably two to three years. There's going to be a holdback. They're going to keep 25% of that money and expect you to, to still work. It's not like you just walk away with all the money. So just understand what all the different options are there. I feel like I'm rambling and maybe not even answering the question you asked me. What the end goal is, it's getting to work optional. Well, let me ask one more quick question and I have a follow-up. But obviously, whether they look, they're looking to sell for 15X, whether it's to corporate or not, or whether they're just, but like, is the end goal eventually to exit and have a company that's really strongly grown over the last 10 to 25 years? Is that really the goal? I think for most people that have exerted that kind of effort into a business that probably feels like their child that they have that much time and energy sunk into. They don't want to just see it close the door, lock up and and never like continue to serve the people that they've served or take care of the community. So I think every single person, I feel confident saying that. I think every single person wants to know that there's longevity in that. The struggle is finding someone that aligns with the same mission. And I think that sometimes is a struggle or maybe it leads to the point where they want to just shutter and shut their doors or maybe they mismanaged it and they just can't continue to run it. And sadly, there are you know, those clinicians out there that work crazy amount of hours struggle and they won't have a business that's saleable. And that's, it's too bad. It's unfortunate, but that does happen. And it happens in plenty of businesses. This is so perfect. Like I literally, I couldn't even script this at the five and a half minute mark. I literally made the joke that at the 40 minute mark, which just passed, I was going to find our way where I was going to ask a question and we hit it at the exact second to the second. Now our editors might remove some stuff out, but my big follow-up question, <laughs> I couldn't have predicted this. And you were like, I'm rambling. And I was sitting here watching the clock going, yes, give me 18 more seconds. Go. <laughs> so if I have a business and I want to see it grow and I want to increase revenue and I want to increase value, how on earth 
I can't believe how great this worked out. How on earth are there still veterinary hospitals out there that don't have websites, that don't do marketing, that don't care about making things easier for their users and literally will just go through their day to day without ever thinking about the simplest things to grow their business into something that will grow it, like having a website, like caring about your local listings and reviews and like doing all those things. It's like I said, I mean, everyone out there, you can't even script this. This is the way this just worked out. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Uh, It's beautiful. So, and you're the money guy. Don't you want to tell them like, hey, it takes money to make money. And and I've said that on the podcast before. People say, well, we don't have a budget for advertising. We don't have a budget for marketing. And you're like, it's not a budget. It's an investment. What do you say to them when they're starting the hospital and they say, and you might not get deep into a marketing strategy, but when they say to you, hey, I did 800,000 last year. We did 875,000 this year. We really were pushing for about one to 1.2. What went wrong? I mean, is that in the discussion? You know, do you say to them like, what are your growth strategies? Or I've seen that you're not really investing a lot back into business growth. I mean, is that a conversation that's had? I talk about marketing all the time. A, because I find it interesting. I obviously have a podcast that is the way that, I mean, truly that's the way that I market. And I would share with people, I have conversations and I have picked up clients solely based on me talking into a microphone from thousands of miles away from them. And they've never met me, but then when they pick up the phone, they know what I'm about. They know what I stand for. And they're like, Hey, I want to work with you. It's not trying to understand, is this the right fit? All this other, I want to work with you. Like, that's awesome. That's such a good feeling. And so if I look at what is the rate of return on the money spent in a veterinary hospital, Let's break this down. So if you go back to 1911 through 2020, inflation's been roughly three, three and a half percent. I think that's a flawed metric, but that's what's put out there. I think it's much higher. Um, we don't need to necessarily get into that. What's been the S&P, so the public markets, call it nine to 10%. What's the average? Again, averages are dangerous, but let's look at what are good profitability metrics from a veterinary hospital. Again, companion health, equine's going to be different, large animal, like Yes, there's going to be some nuance here, but don't shoot the messenger. It's mid-teens, low 20s. I've seen 35%. I've seen upwards to almost 50% in certain circumstances with hospitals. If I can go get that kind of rate of return, that's after Dr. Comp. So it's after paying yourself a livable, good, solid salary wage. This is you as the owner, money back in your pocket. Why in God's green earth would I go and invest in the public markets? If I can go and reinvest back in my business, and get mid-teens, 20s, 30s percent returns. Why? 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 And also you control your own destiny. You don't control what the market's going to do, right? You can control a lot more, not that you're God in, in your environment that you control everything, but you control so much more of what happens in your hospital, and your clinic than what you can if you go and invest like some bum, like Isaiah, who's not a doctor or Adam, that's not a doctor, right? Like we don't have the same options that you do. So take advantage of it, people. Like you have to see that there is such a dynamic opportunity. There's a reason that corporate consolidators are raising a absolute ton of money from private equity right now. Do you think that private equity is putting money into veterinary medicine because they're losing money? No, they are not. They're putting money in here because they've seen that veterinarians as owners a lot, you don't know how to run your businesses. And I'm sorry, but that's true. And so they're coming in and scooping them up. And the reason they're paying insane amounts is because they can come in roll them up and run them in a better, a way that's more efficient and still earn the rate of return that they need to get, which is still better than the public markets. So my suggestion, my desire is to see 
a world of private practice owners that get how valuable in this gold mine that you all are sitting on, that if you are so busy that you never want any new patients, I would say, mm, you probably have some people that maybe you don't want to see anymore that you could replace with better people. So you probably still want to market, but you can also educate and inform and use your marketing in a completely different way to still build that culture. Because at the end of the day, if you do end up wanting to sell it, you want the reputation and you want to be known as the place to take the pet. So again, going back to like, what's your strategy? What's the strategy around the business? But oh my goodness, the rate of return that you can get in veterinary medicine is astronomical. It's really, really uh, an amazing time to either be a young veterinarian that's thinking about ownership or being a current owner looking at the market and saying, this is on the cusp of like the golden age of veterinary medicine. And I've talked about this in a presentation and the CEO, I think it's Oliver Giroux. It's like French from JB Holdings that owns NVA and Compassion First said first 10 years of a 50 year super cycle in veterinary medicine. They are investing so much money into this space. So is other people. So just remember that, that these people that run all of this money, they're not stupid. They see the benefit. And I think veterinarians undervalue their skill set and their worth so much. And I have this conversation all the time, but that would be what I would say, Adam. And you know what I love about you other than that we have uh, similar red beards? Uh, the other thing I'm a big fan of is when you just answered that. I mean, I heard actual anger in your voice. And I think a lot of the our podcast episodes when I go on my rants and when I was on yours too. I mean, I think there's certain things that fire me up and I think people can really hear it in your voice. Everything you just said was so spot on. And to everyone out there listening, Whisker Cloud grew last year in terms of revenue. 276%. I'm not even screwing with teens and whatnot here. I mean, that's how we did it. And guess how we did it? We made the, you know, we make the decision every day. I just don't have a day where I'm not trying to figure out how we can grow. It is a constant. It is, it is in my heart and in my gut every single day. It doesn't stop. And I think veterinary hospitals, there is burnout. There is stress and we are a little bit different in our day to day, I'm sure. But I got to tell you, I'm pretty burnt out a lot. I'm pretty stressed a lot. You know, obviously I'm not dealing with the you know euthanasias and the sick patients and things like that, but there's a lot, but you have, you have to get through that. You have to just say, screw it. I want to do this. And you, and it's not even just to help yourself and make more money for yourself and make the value of your potential exit one day more valuable. It's, hey, this was great. Now I can take better care of my employees. Hey, now our 401k plan can be better. Or now I can give end of year bonuses or I can have better benefits. I mean, in the last year, Whisker Cloud grew. And my first thought on January 1st was I want better benefits. Cool. We already took care of a huge chunk of it for our employees. Now we take an even bigger chunk care of it for them. And we added vision and dental where we almost pay for the entire thing. We added the new 401k that has some awesome stuff. We added other benefits. We've added some software benefits. We, we've done more events and parties in about three weeks. Actually, in about two weeks, we're throwing a huge company-only party. I rented out an entire restaurant in Long Beach, California. We have a custom popsicle company who's making Whisker Cloud popsicles. We have a sushi bar. We have a make-your-own-pasta bar. Uh, it's literally overlooking the water. And I want to do this because I don't want it just to be okay. I said, well, we had a great year. We're on the other side of COVID. Everyone's done what they needed to do. Now we can get together. And this is what we're doing. So it's not always even just about the straight 
how much money are we making? It's what can I do to support the people that are here every day who might also be burnt out and might also be stressed. And you don't do all of that shit if you're not reinvesting money to grow. But if I made 800K last year in revenue as a vet hospital and I make 800K this year, or even if I make 850K, did something go catastrophically wrong? I think you're missing a big opportunity. I want to back up real quick. It's something that, again, you you just said that was massive. I hear this a lot of how do I go and find talent as a private practice owner? I just can't find the staff. What you just talked about, Adam, is you had an awesome year. You're reinvesting, you're growing, and you're treating your team to like a celebration. You're building culture, you're attracting talent. People are going to see that. I hope that Whisker Cloud, all your social media is going to share all pictures from this event, the popsicles, all this stuff. And you know what? If I'm going to be then looking at where do I want to work and I see Whisker Cloud and I see, wow, this is what they're doing. They're obviously growing. They're doing all this cool stuff. I want to go work there. And I think that's so important that you can do the same thing in your veterinary hospitals as far as attracting talent and building your team and the culture and making it different so that you have people that are extremely loyal and you have to celebrate. And I think that will help some of the the burnout too. And like you talked about, everything's different. I get it. But stress is there. Whether you are at Starbucks, whether you are at a movie theater and you're working, wherever you are, you're always going to have stress. And I think so many people are like, well, I just want to have a job that I have this work-life balance and there's not as much stress. You're always going to have stress. I know that's not fun to hear, but it's never going to be like a perfect world where it's rainbows and butterflies. And so if you can just build your team where you have each other's back and you have this culture of like, we take care of each other and we're going to celebrate the victories. And you know what? When times are tough, we rally around each other. And I think what you said is just so important. That's awesome. And that sounds like an amazing event that is going to be put on. But back to your point on the 800 to 850. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that that I look at and talk to people about is the amount of dollar creation in the United States. And this is going to go on a side tangent, but it's going to come back. I promise your purchasing power year after year, if you're not growing by call it 6% in, you know, in 2020, they created $5 trillion in, in stimulus and in, in relief and all that other stuff. If we would have taxed in 2019 pre-pandemic, all the profits of every US company, 100%, it's 2.25 trillion. We have a spending problem in the United States. We spend a ton of money. And what that happens when we create all this extra money is it devalues the dollars that you have in your bank account and what you make as a business. So when you don't grow, you are falling farther and farther behind and you feel it, but you don't understand that. So it's important to know that if you're just you're going to stay consistent, you're probably going to lose about 10 to 15% of purchasing power and what your business is worth over time. So that's important to understand that you need to be, you need to be growing. The old adage of if you're not growing, you're dying. It's probably true in vet med as well. And I also love that the money guy on this podcast just said, oh, 5 billion. Sorry, that's not that much. <laughs> I would well, love to you, have not that much. <laughs> yeah, well, if, yeah, from the largest country in the world. Yeah, it's, but it is trillion. So it, that just blows my mind. And again, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about all that stuff on a sidebar, but you need to think about how can I allocate the money and the funds, both personally and professionally to keep up your purchasing power and the value of the things that you've invested and spent so much darn time in. It's a shame when people think that they're doing the right things and they wake up and say, I've been busting my hump, but I just don't feel like I'm getting ahead. And I think a lot of people can understand that feeling. And yeah, there's some reasons for it. And a lot of the issues are because there's been a lot of creation of of money in our country since 2009. And, and yeah, it's a major issue. And there will be a, a reckoning at some point. I don't know. I'm not a doomsday guy, but it's just, it's not sustainable. So just don't be holding so much cash that you're just watching 
all your hard work just get kind of sucked down the drain when you don't really understand why. I'm not a doomsday person either, but I think this planet has maybe a hundred years left. Um, on that note, <laughs> sorry, I hope longer. I hope longer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a couple hundred on that note. How do people find you? And let's talk about how do they find Vince, your wealth management? How do they learn? You know, how do they find the podcast? Where do you want them to go? Where do you want them to listen? Social media. I feel like this episode, we have different types of episodes. Some are people being able to relate to stories to others in vet med. I always personally love the people that are not in vet med coming on because it's just that outside point of view that I try to bring that you bring. I mean, I walked away and I, I wrote down 50 things for myself to think about. Literally, I'm just sitting here typing up notes. So where can people find you and get to know you and reach out if they want to learn more? Absolutely. So if you want to go to vincerewealth.com, so think sincere with a V. That is the kind of the, the home hub from a website design. We are building out vincereveterinary.com, which will be everything vet med. So I will share that and you can put it in the show notes for, for that because that's going to be specific content. Listen to the Veterinarian Success Podcast. Obviously, Whisker Talks is an awesome podcast. So if you have more time in your commute or your workout, pop on one of those episodes. I talk about a lot of different content. If you like what you hear here, I, I share those things. Follow me on LinkedIn. I share a lot of content around veterinary medicine and thoughts around kind of just macro economy type of like things I talked about, the money printing and something like if that's ever of interest, there's some stuff there. But those are the two places to find me. I'm on Instagram as well at Isaiah underscore VWM. And yeah, I'm a lot of different places, but I would say LinkedIn and the podcast and then head to our website and there's a schedule, a conversation if you want to chat. And I'm always happy to take 30 minute calls, ask questions, get what you need. And if it makes sense, great. And if it's something that, hey, I'll come back and circle back with you later on. My goal, right, is to improve the advice and guidance that's given to veterinarians. And that's really kind of what I alluded to with the Veterinary Financial Advisor Network, which is a group of different people. But that is probably the longest outro of where to find someone ever on this podcast. So I apologize. No, this is, and again, I mean, I personally listen to, I mean, I have a rotation of about 40 podcasts I listen to. Not all of them are weekly. And honestly, maybe five or six of them are good money podcasts. But again, if I'm in vet med, that, I mean, that's what yours is about. I mean, it's not all about money, but you tie a lot of stuff back to it. And I just think it's so important. I'm sure there's a lot of people that listen to marketing podcasts and then you come listen to ours and it's tied back to your industry. That's important. So everyone go check out his podcast. I don't know where they got this data, but apparently the most recent episode that went out in the final week of June 2021 was apparently the greatest episode they've ever done. I don't know what data was used to back that up, but it sounds <laughs> like you should probably go listen to it. But no, man, this was awesome. Like I said, I learned a lot. I'm hoping everyone listening did too. Yeah, if you're out there, you know what to do with the Whisker Talks podcast. Like, share, subscribe. Go check out whiskercloud.com slash blog to learn more. Go subscribe to the Veterinarian Success Podcast while you're doing that. And everyone have a great week. 